Hello, Jill. Hi, Steve. How are you? Good, thank you. You know, we often uh, talk about what we did over the weekend, uh, and it's mostly happy things. Uh, last time you were talking about visiting your uh, family or your in-laws in Prince George, you, so you flew up there and flew back down for the weekend. Mm-hmm. But um, there was a very unhappy event that happened at Vancouver Airport uh, about a week ago, and which was very much in the news over the weekend. And do you know what Actually, I'm referring it hap- to? Yeah, it happened several weeks ago. It's been on the news for quite a few weeks already. I, I thought it was the 13th of October. Yeah, that long time ago, 13th mm-hmm. of October. It yeah, happened, it was like a right? month ago. A or month something. ago. Yeah. You know what I'm referring to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, uh, just to explain here, and then we can maybe talk about it, uh, an immigrant to Canada from Poland uh, who spoke no English uh, arrived at the airport, somehow made his way through immigration, and then stayed in the airport for nine hours. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's because his mum, his mother told him to stay by the baggage carousel and to wait for her there. And she was also at the airport waiting for him, but somehow they weren't in the same area. They missed each other. Well, but he because she told him to wait by the baggage carousel, which is which is uh, you know uh, an area that's not the 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 people who come to greet uh, arriving passengers are not allowed into the baggage area. Not the international baggage area, no. No, not because that's a customs area. That she still mm-hmm. has to go, or he, the passenger, the arriving passenger, still has to, you know, go through that final customs uh, control before they're into Canada. Mm-hmm. So. You know, that, those instructions were not correct. So he was waiting and waiting, and of course, um, you know, she couldn't be there. And he got increasingly agitated. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then at the, uh, uh, he apparently started throwing things around, and he was a very big man. Apparently, he was six foot nine inches tall. Oh, wow, I didn't know that. Very, very big man, spoke no English, was getting agitated, throwing things around. He threw chairs and the computer. I don't know all the details. And so someone called the the police, and the the RCMP, the Royal Canadian Mounted Police, they arrived, and they did, really didn't give the ch- the man much of a chance. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they said something like, uh, you know, they addressed a few words to him in English. He couldn't understand, and then they immediately hit him with an electric shock, with mm-hmm. what's known as a taser gun, and then they threw him to the ground, and he resisted very. St- Strenuously, and so they hit him again with the taser gun, and while fighting with the man, he died. I think that's about the story. Yeah, I mean, I heard there was a actually a a, a young man at the airport who caught it on videotape, mm-hmm. and there's been a videotape released of it, and I've seen him interviewed a couple of times, and mm-hmm. his version was that. Um, the man, by the time the RCMP showed up, had actually calmed down considerably. Mm-hmm. Was there was much more calm than he had been, mm-hmm. and that the police tasered him once. He went, fell to the ground. Two police officers were on him, mm-hmm. holding him down. Mm-hmm. And this man said that at this point he wasn't resisting. He mm-hmm. was not resisting at all. And right. then they gave him another shot. Right which right. was totally unnecessary. Right. Um, 
and Mind you, he died. We, yeah, we don't know, uh, you know, the, the one man who's taking this picture with his camera may have the impression that this man was not resisting. Mm-hmm. Uh, the policemen who were involved in trying to, uh, you know, restrain the man may have had a different impression. So I think mm-hmm. that's pretty subjective. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I think everyone's impression is that the police were unnecessarily uh, aggressive mm-hmm. uh, in dealing with this man, and that they should not. And apparently, it's not recommended that you taser someone twice, you know, in rapid succession. No, because I what is it fifty thousand volts or something? It, it's some. I'm not. I don't know these things very well. But it's no, a, a large. It's number. a big shock. Mm-hmm. Now apparently, you know, very few people die from taser guns. So mm-hmm. that one, you know, in support of the taser gun, is the uh, is the the argument that the alternative is to hit the guy over the head with some. A big stick or something, or to shoot him. But yeah, okay, forget you. So yeah, obviously it's better to use a taser gun than to shoot him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the other alternative is to try to restrain him with with other forms of violence. Now, yeah. bearing in mind that that not necessarily in this case, but in in a case where a policeman is is required to to restrain someone who is violent and who might, as they say, sometimes have almost superhuman strength if they're struggling. So then the, the the question is what should you use? What is going to give what is going to cause the least possible injury both to the policeman mm-hmm. and to the person you're trying to restrain? So I mean I don't know what the arguments for and against the taser gun are. Uh, one a couple of things that struck me though in this whole thing. First of all I I must say I am not one of these people who just likes to criticize the police. Because I think the police have a very difficult job mm-hmm. to do. Mm-hmm. And the society, I mean, we are very thankful to have the police around if we're being, uh, you know, burglarized or, or, or attacked or, or something like this. So we do need the police. And the police need to be able to apply some form of violence at, at certain times in certain situations. It would appear that the procedure that these policemen used was not the best procedure. Mm-hmm. So they were not, that was not a, a model of how to deal with this situation. No, I, I mean, I, I I don't understand why they didn't just taser him once. There were, there were several police officers and, and from what I saw on the tape, it didn't seem like it was necessary to say, taser him right. the second time. I don't know if he still would have died having only been tasered once. I'm not sure. But that seemed unnecessary. But, you know, the thing that struck me, I think, even more about this whole situation, tragic situation, is the fact that that nobody at the airport, nobody working there, noticed this man standing around for nine hours. Mm-hmm. That nobody, even if he couldn't speak English... There's body language that nobody tried to take him somewhere, sit him down, get him some water, and 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 try to help him. I know. I, I just think that that's appalling. It's appalling. Uh, first of all, on the part of the immigration officials, mm-hmm. who somehow processed him through, somehow they communicated with him. And second of all, yeah, people just standing there. Mind you, if you're arriving on an international flight... And you've been flying for 
six, seven, ten, twelve hours. And you see someone who's six foot nine speaking a strange language, <laughs> you're not that interested. Mm-hmm. So, I, I, to some extent, but I, I, it would have been nicer if someone had helped him. But I think the immigration officials, the airport officials, there is even an immigrant greeting service that receives a lot of money from the federal government and who advertise on their website that they greet 50,000 people a year at Vancouver Airport to help them cope with the stresses of coming to a foreign land. Well, where were they? Mm-hmm. Where exactly. were they? Uh, and, and even from a security point of view, to have someone wandering around the airport, going out of the customs area, going back into the customs area... I, I I think there is blame to be attached to the policemen who were operating in a, you know, they were trying to make very quick decisions, mm-hmm. and I think they made unfortunate decisions. But there are a lot of other people to be blamed in the process. That well. was sort of my feeling, too, mm-hmm. is that I just couldn't believe that not one person at the airport thought that it was peculiar that some man was mm-hmm. just hanging around for nine hours, right. and that nobody did anything. But you know, the other thing too is that if this man had spoken even a few words of English, or if the policeman, and that's much more unlikely, but if there had been someone around who spoke Polish or, you know, Czech or some related language, you know, obviously for the policeman, when they arrived, if they had been able to talk to this man, I don't think we would have had this situation. Mm-hmm. I agree. Uh, if the man had been able to say, it's okay, okay, I'm okay, or, you know, please don't hit me, or something. Mm-hmm. Or if the policeman had been able to say, you know, take it easy, calm down, what's your problem? But there was just no communication. No, none. Zero communication. So, you know, I have on two occasions been in situations where I've seen travelers who couldn't speak the local language or English. And I've seen the anxiety and, and I have intervened. Once uh, a pair of Japanese uh, girls that were flying on a airline in Canada and once with a Russian man in, who was blind or partly blind and who was being very sort of not properly you know, helped uh, in a hotel lobby in Holland uh, because people were busy. And w- the situation becomes much, much more sort of the anxiety level of the person just increases dramatically when they can't communicate. Of course, yeah. Yeah. But... Uh, yeah. There will be a lot of questions asked about the use of tasers, about the appropriate uh, police procedures for this kind of situation, about uh, the way the uh, the airport is organized. And, and, you know, I agree with you. One thing, apparently, this, this man's mother was waiting outside, and, uh, and she had someone with her who spoke very good English. And they asked the airport officials. And the airport officials made some kind of public address announcement in English, which he would not have understood, mm-hmm. undoubtedly mispronouncing his name. Besides which, the area that he was in, and which the airport officials would have known that he's in the international arrivals baggage area. There is no pub- public address loudspeaker there. Oh. And they did this, and then they reported back to his mother and said, no, your son's not in the airport. <laughs> I mean, that's just unbelievable. That's, that's not just, a thorough check. That's no. nothing. No. And, and you know, there's something almost Kafka-esque about this whole mm-hmm. thing. It's the government, well, not, it's, it's an organization which doesn't care. Mm-hmm. Now, you could argue that the, the, the individual passengers should also have tried to help, and I agree with you. Uh, but the system in place is so impersonal. Mm-hmm. 
uh, and so uh, uncaring that, that it just grinds and nobody cares. Nobody cares for the individual. I mean, I, I can't believe it. He was, he was uh, uh, accepted as an immigrant, even though he spoke no English. So at least someone in the system should have said, this man is arriving, he speaks zero English. Somebody there should help him. Yeah, there should have been some sort of flag or something. I mm-hmm. I agree. It's just, and I, I just can't believe that there aren't lots of other immigrants that arrive all the time who cannot speak any English. Mm-hmm. I'm sure it happens. So they need to find a better way to deal with with well, these people. Not only immigrants. I mean, uh, theoretically, the the immigrants are supposed to be able to speak English before they can emigrate to Canada. But but uh, just ordinary travelers. Mm-hmm, Tourists, yeah. they're under no obligation to speak English. Of course. And uh, th- so that the procedures at the airport. So, yes, undoubtedly, and I, you know, I, in a way, even though there's not much sympathy for the police officers, in a way, I feel sorry for them. Because, yeah. I mean, what, I mean, yeah, obviously the mother, the family of this man are, are, are totally distraught, but I think the police officers are traumatized as well. Oh, I'm sure they feel horrible. They I'm feel sure horrible. they didn't mean to, to kill him. They, they didn't go there with the purpose no. of killing this man. No. And they probably overreacted. They probably weren't properly trained. The situation was exacerbated by the fact that there was no language communication. It's at the airport. It's, it's tense. Is this guy a terrorist? Who knows? I don't know. I don't know what the policemen were told before they went there. No, we haven't been either. told that. What, no. what, what was the message given to the policemen? So that they went there. Maybe they told they were told that uh, he was a very dangerous man. I have no idea. Anyway, Jill, it's a really, really tragic story. Uh, mm-hmm. We don't always, we don't often have tragic things to talk about, but life does have its its dark uh, moments as well. And hopefully, this unfortunate situation will um, lead to some better. A, a better protocol at the airport mm-hmm. and uh, at, and these things can be avoided in the future. Well, and better procedures too with, with regard to policemen. Mm-hmm. Uh, they should have had a medic handy if they were going to taser the man. Mm-hmm. I think there are a lot of issues, a lot of questions that need to be, uh, need to be answered here. Mm-hmm. Okay, Jill. All Sad right. story, but uh, there it is. And we will talk again. Yes, okay. Okay, Bye-bye. bye.